0: For full important safety information visit juviterm.com.
2: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. How should we understand the ahadith related to plagues and medicines? We are often deluged with cures for a host of ailments and some argue conventional pharmaceuticals have little value in the face of these solutions from the sunnah. Today on the Thinking Muslim podcast, I've invited an imam and author, Iyad Hilal, from California, America, to explain what is the prophetic sunnah and how should we evaluate what it has to say about plagues and medicines. Iyad Hilal has offered one of the best books I've ever read, explaining usul al-fiqh in a digestible form to the non-specialist reader, and runs the Al-Arqam Institute. His lectures, Jummah Khutbahs and discussions can be found on YouTube, and I would say it's a treasure trove of wisdom and depth. I asked him about the sunnah, the ahadith related to plagues and quarantines, the prophetic medicines and other such narrations. How did the scholars of the past view this subject? We also discussed the value of conventional medicines and the current public health advice that runs contrary to our religious instincts and ceremonies, most notably the cessation of Salat al and regular prayers in the Masajids. Brother Iyad Hilal, I wonder how we can uh, contextualise these ahadith and uh, the revelation and how it views uh, the subject matter of uh, COVID-19, of plagues, of medicines, of uh, what we conventionally call prophetic medicines. How does uh, the revelation inform us about what some would call worldly issues?
1: In order to address this, this topic, how is Quran related and relevant to our situation, coronavirus? In order to address this, first of all, we need to establish certain frame. First of all, our quran Kareem is meant to be a book of guidance, providing people with the guidance they need Uh, In their life, it's not meant to be a book of medicine or a book of astronomy or a book of science, physics or uh, chemistry or a book of geography or a book of any of these fields. Even it's not meant to be a book of law, although it included legal aspect. It's not meant to be a book of history although it addressed certain historical events. It's not meant to be a book of medicine, although it included some medical facts, but not to be a book of medicine or a book of history or a book of law. It addressed all these issues within certain contexts. The physical phenomenon, the medical, the, all of these things are addressed within the discussion about a God Almighty think about these things, think how the fetus is formulated, think about the wind, think about yourself, to reach from this thinking to the fact that God
2: is the only. So then what is the relationship between the Quran and uh, these technical issues? And between issues which I would say is down to human reason and and the... uh, The human mind's uh, capacity and ingenuity in in dealing with some of these problems such as plagues and and cancers and other types of ailments uh, that affect us.
1: The relationship between revelation and reason, between science and revelation or religion. Islam did not come again to shape our scientific uh, uh, views in certain way, or to give us certain scientific facts. We have the the, the, the sphere of revelation that when it talks about the aqidah, when it talks about the hereafter, when it talks about the pillars of faith, when it talks about how to build our way of life, the okay, Quran and Islam and the Sunnah deal with this. But at the same time, when it talks about technical things, when it talks about medicine, you know, this is the role of our intellect. So the intellect has role in getting us to, to believe that there is God. The intellect has role to get us to believe that Quran is from God. And after that, after we accept uh, the belief in Allah and belief in Quran and belief in Muhammad وسلم, the role of uh, human reason will now be redefined. It's from now on not to pass a judgment against a text, but rather to understand the text, to understand the reality, to relate both together, utilizing language, utilizing usul al fiqh utilizing all tools needed in order to understand the reality. At times it's technical information needed. So we need to go and ask a technician. You mean like an, an, an
2: expert? Ask,
1: ask people of expertise. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't know so now this is the role of of, of of the human reason if you want to have experiment go ahead and do it do whatever you want if you want to uh, talk about technicality, do what you want how can we draw the line this is what is needed
2: uh, and the sunnah, I mean the sunnah is uh, understood to be an explanation of the um, uh, of the Quran and, and of course uh, the Sunnah uh, uh, charts the uh, life experiences of the Prophet والسلام, in, in addressing the dynamic issues of the day. And some of these dynamic issues would be issues of a technical nature. So how should we view the Sunnah here? Now, when it comes to the
1: Sunnah, when it comes to the Sunnah, the Sunnah is a revelation from God. Meaning that the message that Rasulullah ﷺ, uh, uh, gave to us does, it's not restricted to Quran only. It is Quran and the Sunnah. Why? Because if you look at the Quran cream from size wise, it covers three days. If you want to recite it continuously. And Rasulullah Sallallahu in the kept in the, the message 23 years. So if you want to divide the Quran to the 23 years, maybe one minute enough every day. We'll come to the people and talk to them about an ayah and then he goes. But that was not the life of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We know that he lived with people. He didn't isolate himself at all. They used to come meet him in the masjid. They used even to come to, to his home, knocking the door or calling for him so that to come and teach them. He used to teach them. He used to explain to them. He used to answer their questions. He used to judge among them. He used to guide them. He used to answer their questions. So there is a material developed from all of this, covered all aspects of life. This material, where did it come from? It's not from him, because the ayah says, uh, I am warning you with nothing but with the revelation. Some people say, yeah, wahi here means Quran. What, well, what about the ayah, and the judge among them based on what Allah reveals to you. They'll tell you, this is Quran. Another ayah, وَأَنِحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَرَاكَ اللَّهِ Not with whatever Allah uh, revealed, with whatever Allah showed you. So there is ruling, there is something revealed, and there is something shown. Which means that the the message includes something more than Qur'an, which is the Sunnah. And we believe that the Sunnah as a whole, from from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's another
2: part of, of, of the message. Okay, sure. So the Sunnah is revelation, it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's not from the Messenger Sallallahu Wasallam, it is revelation that was carried through or via the Messenger Sallallahu Wasallam. However, uh, the Prophet, وسلم, his life was uh was like any other person. He engaged in discussions about uh worldly or technical matters. Uh, issues to do with the day, uh, whether it's to do with cross-pollination of plants or whether it's to do with the plagues uh, or whether it's to do with medicines that we're, we're going to talk about or how we should deal with quarantines. Uh, these seem to be very technical discussions and uh, should we see uh, the prophetic sunnah in relation to these areas to also covered or be covered by what you've just described as being revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala
1: now part of this sunnah also is that some there are certain examples in 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 his life help us in defining this line that separates between the, 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 what is what is mandatory what is what is part of Message as revelation we have to follow, and between what is up to us, and we have example in the Battle of Badr, when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi decided to camp the Muslim, Muslims in certain place, and he was asked, "Is this is this a place defined by the Wahi and Zalakahullah? Is this a place defined too by Allah, or is it al wal Harb or is it a war?" Uh, strategic, technical uh, decision, he told him. It is a war, it is technical, it is, is a, a tactical, it is strategic, it is know how decision. So he told him this is not a location. So in this case, in this example, uh, Rasulullah told him clearly that this is not from revelation. Another example is when. Uh, Uh, in the cross-pollination event. He told them clearly after that, this is the know-how belongs to you, you know better.
2: So the hadith about cross-pollination was when uh, the Prophet ﷺ was asked by some farmers uh, who were conducting the cross-pollination of date palms by hand. And uh, he, he said to them, if you do not do this, it will still be fine so they stopped doing it. So he seemed to indicate that it was not worth uh, cross-pollinating and uh, their crops failed. And he came back uh, uh, sometime later on and he asked, what's happened to your date palms? And they said, well, you said to us such and such. And he responded by saying in this hadith uh, reported in Muslim, you know best about the affairs of the world. Um, And so you're saying that this indicates that in issues to do with technical matters the hadith uh, that come in relation to that uh, are not necessarily talking about revelation rather they're reflecting the prophet's experiences his his understanding and uh, he uh, understood that uh, he is no more than uttering and giving uh, his his views upon a matter which uh, are to do with uh, the technical matters of the worldly affairs and, and not to do with halal and haram. Now, in both cases, there is one side of revelation. The, the, that side of
1: revelation is that the revelation itself gave Muhammad the authority to exercise certain judgment based on his own experience. So who allowed him to choose any location he wants? in the Battle of Badr, it's the Wahi. He knows, Rasulullah knows that the, 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 his role as messenger and his role as, as a leader. And who told him to, who gave him permission to tell them don't use the cross-pollination, just leave it to the wind. Again, he knows that this is left to his experience. So he told them this. So this, uh, quote-unquote, green light which was given to Muhammad sallallahu to issue judgment on these matters based on his own opinion or based on his his own experience is from Dawahi. We can give another uh, examples on this. One example in the, uh, when he would sit, he reside in a case as a judge. When two people came to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, disputing piece of property, so... Rasulullah ﷺ told them, One of you would be outspoken more than the other, would be more eloquent than the other. And I'm going to judge based on the evidences presented to me. So if I judge, I will judge based on this. So if I give someone property that doesn't belong to him, I'm actually giving him a piece of, of hill fire. So you know whether it's yours or not. But for me as a judge, now he is, he is legislating to the judges. The judges later on will not receive revelation to tell them who is the real owner of that property or who is not. So Rasulullah, in this one side, based on the revelation, on the other side based on his own knowledge as a judge, who gave him the green light, it is the revelation, but the revelation will not tell him this is the person who owns the right, uh, who owns the land. So the point here in, the, in these examples. One aspect of it is from revelation, giving him the green light to issue judgment either as a judge or as a political leader or as someone giving technical advice.
2: So, uh, Brother Yad Hillar, would we call uh, these ahadith which come in relation to the technical matters, would we call these sunnah, would we branch them in the subject, in usul al-fiqh? as uh, the subject of sunnah. It is how do you define the sunnah? The sunnah is
1: defined by scholars of hadith different than scholars of usul al-fiqh, different than scholars of fiqh. We have three, let me use the word conventional, definitions in these three disciplines. To the scholars of hadith, everything reported from Rasulullah, even personal character, even physical description, Is part of the Sunnah.
2: So the scholars of Hadith are interested in compiling everything uh, that uh, has been narrated about the Prophet. It is the body
1: that reached to us as whole from the Prophet Muhammad. So it is Sunnah in this sense. Now, to the scholars of Usul al fiqh the Sunnah is that binding collection from that whole body are not concerned, as an example, by the physical characters. He was all, yes, that's part of the sunnah. When he used to eat, he used to eat in a certain way. That's part of the sunnah. But they talk about that part which is related to his statements and his actions and his approvals or disapprovals.
2: So for scholars of Usul al-Fiqh, they uh, look at the Sunnah as uh, those things which are which they regard as being binding.
1: But even within this, even within this, uh, there is methodology, method through which you start uh, uh, sorting out whether this report is binding or not. As an example, the way he used to eat, the way he used to eat. Do we have to eat exactly the same way he used to eat, although it is from the Sunnah? No, we don't have to. But do we have to eat using our hand, uh, right hands? Now it is sunnah in the fiqhiy hukum. Because Rasulullah told us, eat using your right hand. So in one way, it is sunnah eat, when you eat using your right hand. A uh, uh, sunnah mandub. If you do it, you will be rewarded. And it is from the sunnah within the definition of usul al Because it is binding but binding in a, as a sunnah, as a mandub, okay? and it is sunnah according to the, the definition of ulm al-hadith. So now these examples which I gave, all of them are from the sunnah. I'm not saying that take this out from the sunnah. No one can has the authority to take the, this out from the sunnah, except if the report proven to be not authentic.
2: So let's let's summarise where we are. Uh, the sunnah is a uh, is a body uh, of text uh, which came to us about the Prophet sallallahu and his actions and uh, his speeches and his uh, sanction of something, his acceptance of something. All of this came as a body, and uh, it is the sunnah, and it remains the sunnah according to the scholars of hadith. Um, But uh, the scholars of usul al-fiqh would apply their uh, varying criteria to that sunnah and determine which aspects of that sunnah actually are revelation, in other words, as you call binding, and which aspects of those sunnah uh, come in the form of technical issues or issues to do with the mubahat, the the acceptable.
1: With Rasulullah, as an example, this is what I was uh, trying to explain. When Rasulullah وسلم, was telling the two people, two opponents, that you are coming to me and I am judging based on what I hear. This is Sunnah according to the scholars of Ulum al Hadith and this is Sunnah according to the scholars of Usul al What What is the legal value of it? Legal value of it is that the judge cannot issue judgment based on private information, cannot issue judgment based on a testimony he heard outside the court session. He cannot, because Rasulullah did not issue judgment based on private information. He issued judgment based on evidence presented to him in the court session, in that session when he was sitting as a judge. So this is Hukum Shari'i. But what is not, what what is also not wahi from the Rasulullah wa sallam, is that Jibril didn't tell him this person or that person has the right. Had he told him this, it means that there is no no judgment, no 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 sessions after the death of Muhammad wa sallam, because there is no wahi coming to the judges telling them who has the right and who doesn't have the right. So see, they are there are there is overlap between them. It's more than you either this or that. This is the way I, I look at it. Another point, uh, to move to the, the topic of our example, okay, of, uh, the, to, uh, I mean, to, to the topic of our discussion. The third point in the frame, we would say the first frame, uh, point is that Quran is a book of guidance. Second point is that in technical issues, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi wa was uh, following in technical issues, his own technical view according to what he said also even at that time to the Sahaba. Now, what about the value of the hadith that deal with medicine? Are they part of the Sunnah in the sense of Ulm al-Hadith? Yes, they are part of the Sunnah. Can we take them away? No, we cannot take them away, except if there is a hadith not correct from the Sanad or the Matn. Are we bound by the prophetic hadith, the prophetic medicine hadith, or not? Here comes two major opinions. Ibn Qayyim al jawziyyah as an example, he says it is binding. Why? Because it is part of the sunnah, and we have to follow the sunnah. This argument was challenged by also two prominent scholars. One scholar is Al-Qadi Iyad. Al-Qadi Iyad, in his book Al-Shifa fi Ahwal al-Mustafa. In his book, Al-Shifa, Al-Qadir Iyad said that the hadiths that are related to our worldly affairs, including medicine, they are not part of the message that Rasulullah used to issue his judgment based on the medical information available at that time. And if he was wrong in this, it does not affect the message because this is not the sphere of the message to teach us medicine. And the same thing was said by Ibn Khuldoon. He excluded the prophetic the, the uh, medicine from the binding body of the hadith. It's still part of the sunnah. But do is it obligatory upon us to follow this part? So Ibn Khuldoon adopted the same opinion of uh, Qadir Iyad. Uh, recently, there was a scholar of hadith, Sheikh Muhammad Sulaiman al Askar. He wrote, about the prophetic medicine. And he adopted actually the opinion of uh, Qadir Iyad and uh, Ibn Khuldoon, which I think is the right opinion.
2: Okay, so this is very interesting. Um, Your argument is that there is a genuine ikhtilaf, a genuine difference of opinion uh, with regards to the prophetic medicines. We have a group of scholars arguing that uh, it is a, a recommendation to follow the prophetic medicine and so they've they've linked it to uh the sunnah the revelation and there is another group of scholars that argue that these were personal uh understandings of the Prophet wasalam, and uh uh you can't attribute mandubat or recommendations to them. So if you follow them, you're not uh following them as you would be you're not gaining the reward that you may be gaining. When you do other aspects of the Sunnah, okay. So that there, there is a, a difference of opinion here, but but uh, let me ask you a question: Why then, uh why do these group of scholars still call uh, these uh, body of hadith which talk about medicine or plagues? Uh, why do they still attribute the term Sunnah uh, to these? If they argue that uh, these um, uh, uh, these understandings were, were no more than Understanding of the Prophet based on the the knowledge he had and the expertise he saw around him.
1: The hadith of the prophetic medicine at times they have two aspects. One aspect, the technicality of it, the technical information in in that particular hadith, and the second aspect is the shari aspect. Let me give you one example before we move to to the example of the plague. Rasulullah used what is called al-hujama, with cupping. And he used it while he was fasting, while he was in the ihram. Now, the technical aspect of it, do I have to use the wit cupping? No, you don't have to. Where did it come from? This is the Greek medicine. So that was the technical information available at that time. The shari'i aspect is that if you do it while you are in the ihram, it will not invalidate your ihram. If you do it while you are fasting, it does not invalidate your fasting. So we cannot say the, throw the whole report because it's prophetic. No, you look at the report. Sort out the technical form, aspects of it, from what can we learn legally from it. Another example. I'll give you another example. The hadith of the flies. That if the fly gets into, you know, أحدكم, so let dip it in from the other side because one 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 uh, wing of it has the, 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 the disease and the other wing has the cure. Some people raised their uh, hands on this. They said, no, this, is, this makes no sense. Let's rejected. It. it can't be. Wait a minute. Look at the Sharia aspect of it. Look at someone lives in the desert. Not now when we have this watering system reaching to us through, you know, what we have, closed system. In the desert, you know, they used to collect water in wide containers, not uncovered. So if a bedouin comes he will look at the surface full of flies and mosquitoes and this and that is the water najis because of this can you use the water if it is covered with all of this you can he use just to take the what to call it the cup and remove these things away from him and take the clean water and drink so the sharia aspect of it it does not make the water najis it's not like if, if a dead mouse got into your container. Okay? So there is a aspect in it, and there is technical aspect in it. In the case of the, of the dead rat, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mm-hmm. told us, if it is thick, then throw the rat away and throw parts of it that are surrounding it. If it is a fluid, just oil, throw all of it. So there is shari aspect and there is technical aspect.
2: So I, I understand the shari' aspect, uh, but you're effectively saying that kaphin, for example, according to this strand of opinion, kaphin would have no, in itself, no healing significance from revelation. Now, it may have significance from our reality. So a, a, yeah, a medical, you, you can take it or you can leave it, but you don't ascribe yeah. mandub. Uh, a recommendation to...
1: I don't say Mandoob. I wouldn't say Mandoob. You know, if some people will say Mandoob, that's fine. But 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 I wouldn't take it because it is part of the revelation, but rather because it is proven to be working. In my case, some people say it it gives some nerve system, some flexibility, like like sort of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, therapy. You know? But it, its origin goes back to the Greeks. It's not so. Rasulullah SAW said it based on the information available at that time.
2: Now, now, what about, for example, honey? Because I understand that uh, there are many narrations uh, about honey. For example, uh, there are two cures for honey in Quran, and uh, Prophet Wasallam said, "You know, eat honey, for there is no house in which honey is kept." for which the angels were not asked for mercy. So it seems this hadith is attaching a religious significance to honey.
1: Regarding honey, some people are mixing, actually. They bring more, another example, actually, in which a person came to Rasulullah Sallallahu told him, my, my stomach, my belly uh, hurts. He told him, eat honey. He kept. He told him about his brother. So he came to the Prophet he told him, still he is complaining, eat honey. Eat honey, eat honey, and then he told him, wa batnu Allah spoke the truth and your the bill of your brother is lying. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran talked about honey. He said, Fihi shif'a ul in, in it there is a cure. It didn't say there is the cure. The cure is in it, but rather a cure. So it can help you. It may not help you, help someone else. Because it didn't say the I didn't say the cure, but rather a cure. So, as an example now, all pediatricians still you don't give your child honey at the first a- a year, because maybe there is some kids develop certain allergy against it. So it has a cure, but it does not have the cure. So I will I would be reluctant in accepting that report because Rasulullah understands that I am much more better than me. And then anyone else. He wouldn't say that it has the absolute cure in everything. If you take it uh, in certain time, if it is not affecting you, because some people will take it and it will affect them, obviously. And some people don't. So take it based on what you need. And the same example to all all prophetic uh, medicine hadiths. You look at the shar'i aspect and you look at the technical aspect. The technical aspect is not binding. You take it if it is proven to be working, to be correct. So the fly, the hadith of the fly. Okay, I was personally first uh, reluctant in accepting it, but I, while I was writing about it, I have, uh, I'm writing something about the sunnah. It's not finalized yet, so I started talking about matni criticism and talked about some hadith that some people are rejecting right and left, while in, if you think about it more deep, you will see that it it, cannot, it shouldn't be rejected. And I brought this as an example. The hadith of the fly, on what basis do you want rejected? Based on the cleanliness, some people say, well, it, is, it encourages, you know, dirt, it being dirty you know it doesn't imply uh, uh, it's not consistent with the hadith that talk about the the need for the cleanliness no look at it again from the perspective of uh, someone also who lives in in, in in a desert and the way they used to collect water and the way you look at the water at the surface of the water full of flies and mosquitoes and insects it just tells you that it is Najis, not nudges now, after that, I was reading that there are two papers submitted one of them I think in the New Zealand microbiology department about the fly that the anti the 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 antigen and the antibody in the fly under under the wings and that and that part, okay, so it has the fly has like like a has, there is medical benefit. You can, the doctors can take it, can extract from, it depends on the medical research. And there is, I think, another uh, paper submitted in Stanford University of this matter. So, on what basis you want to reject the hadith? Even the technical aspect of it, you know, proven to to, to, to have uh, to have value based on these uh, research. So, rejecting the hadith is something and how to uh, uh, the benefit from uh, the hadith from a legal perspective is something
2: else. So now turning to the hadith related to the plague and quarantine, how do we understand these hadith in relation to the discussion we just had about technical matters? Now, regarding the plague, if the hadith is talking about technical description of the
1: plague, that is based on the information relevant to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, at that time. Maybe the description that he gave, it's like a big boy, let me say, like the like the, uh, in the camel. This is the hadith, talks about the technicality. It can be one form, the bubonic uh, plague, but there are some other forms of the, of the plague. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam now is not in the business of teaching us medicine. He just gave them obvious form of, of the plague. Now, second point, if it gets into a town, while you are there, don't leave it. And if you hear about it uh, while you are in another town, don't get into it. This is very consistent with another hadith in which Rasulullah told us uh, to stay away from uh, uh, someone who is sick with Uh, leprosy, you know, like you run away from from the lion. So this is uh, infectious disease and the plague is infectious disease. So you will take that order. It's very consistent with everything. It just tells you, don't help in spreading the disease. Uh, The prophetic medicine needs to be studied carefully. It's not either you reject all of it. No, I wouldn't. Or you you have to accept all of it like Ibn al-Qayyim did. It, in some traditions, it's not authentic. In some traditions, there is legal value in it, like as we explained. In the fly, or in the in the cupping, the fact that he had cupping while he was muhrim, or while he was in Ramadan. There are some, there are, in some cases, uh, no, you don't take the, Technical information, as some people understood, like the way they understood uh, uh, about the hadith of the honey. You put it within the context of the ayah, and the ayah does not say that it has the cure, absolute cure. It says it has a cure. So these three points needed to be established before we move to the COVID uh, nineteen.
2: So, so if I can, if I can, just to make it clear. Um... So the hadith related to the plague. This is no more than the Prophet ﷺ's uh, observations, his knowledge, his experience of dealing with contagious diseases, and he is expressing his view, uh, which which is a very you know for for the time it's a very advanced view, of course. But he's expressing his view that you have to deal with these things by separating yourself from the illness. I'm going to talk about COVID-19, but I understand then from the discussion we just had, uh, there is a limit to how much those hadith really inform the way by which we deal with this crisis, with COVID-19. Uh, because scientists may have advanced their understanding of quarantines, their understanding of pandemics, of infectious diseases... And so the weighting would be put on the current scientific and public health advice um, in relation to dealing with this problem because uh, the revelation did not come uh, to discuss medicine and to discuss scientific issues, but rather it gave us a license to develop our understanding of this area. So I suppose uh, the revelation tells us not to stunt, not to stop thinking about these matters. On the contrary, it tells us that uh, there is a cure to be found in, and one needs to uh, advance scientific technologies in order to find those cures.
1: Yeah, well, actually, like? it's not that it, uh, it should not stop, should not stop. We shouldn't stop at this. Why? Because the whole teachings of Quran Kareem, in so many ayat telling us go and explore walk in the earth and see okay, Allah, how did God start the creation even on this. So we need to go and what does go and see? Go and walk and see what does it mean? Not walking by our own selves only, but walking, let's say traveling. Searching, looking, and concluding, so the research should not stop at all. You know, in the past there was what is called the Greek medicine. Greek medicine was established on based on what what is called humorism. In humorism, they say that the body has four fluids. It has the blood, it has the yellow bile, it has the black bile, and it has the phlegm, and they together those four, determine the health, the disease, the temperament of the human body. That was their uh, philosophy. And as it it first was uh, uh, by by many Greek, uh, 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 quote-unquote, doctors uh, at that time. Now, this is very much advanced, much more than the way the church used to look to mid, to diseases till now the church right. looked at it the disease as the bad evils or or devils possessed in, in the human bodies and even when in the uh, what you call it the black death that occurred in europe in the in the middle of the 14th century uh, the church in europe thought that this is because of the sin that this is punishment from god because of the sin. That's why they went and killed some Jews. You know, and similar to them, the Israeli health minister recently, when he started talking about COVID-19, he said this is a punishment because of the homosexuality. The, the way Rasulullah talked about it, it's guiding us to think about medicine. about ibadallah, seek treatment. Allah didn't create disease without creating uh, a medicine for it. So it's way beyond, it goes beyond the, the way that people used to think in, in, in the church. And that's why Muslims adopted at the very beginning the Greek philosophy in medicine. And they built their hospitals, and but they didn't stop there. They kept improving it to the point that even some Muslim doctors described the cancer and had many surgical operations like the cataract during that time. So it opened the doors for the medical advancement. To come now and stick to just what had been mentioned earlier, you know, that's, that's very problematic.
2: So I suppose the mindset is uh, one of not being dogmatic and, and one of exploration and one of developing your understanding and expanding your appreciation of medicine and, and of science.
1: I was watching someone, he says that this COVID nineteen will stay only five months, or after this in the summer, because in the summer the the thuraya, the, the the that star will appear. Why? Because of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, like in which it says that you you cannot sell until the you know the seven sisters and you know certain stars in in the sky. So it does not mean that the appearance of that group of stars have impact on us. It just tells us now the summer is coming, so the fruit will be ripe in the, in, the, in the North Hemisphere, not in the South Hemisphere. So we need to understand how, how does the Hadith work. It's not meant to give technical information, scientific information, but rather a sign for people to understand that in the summer when the fruit is ripe, you can sell it. While it is on the tree, I mean. You can sell it always if it's not on the tree. But if you want to sell it uh, while it is on the tree, okay, you cannot sell it before because maybe it will be spoiled and the, the buyer will, will lose uh, money. You know, it's 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 similar to what Trump used to say. You know, when it is hot, it will disappear miraculously. Now it's, it's, it's hot. Yeah, May, is uh, we are in April, and the temperature started coming up. And there is no sign that it will disappear within the coming months. So let's not uh, close the medical research. Keep the medical research open for the people who can conduct such researches, doctors, medical researchers, uh, pharmacists, you know, but don't get costs to them so that the, the pharmaceutical companies will monopolise everything.
2: But there is a trend uh, in the West and, and generally uh, across the world to seek alternative medicines. And um, many Muslims are um, uh, in favour of this and, and they argue that uh, Western medicines or medicines that come from the West um, are, um, are uh, problematic and, and they create uh, greater problems and side effects. So how should we view this sort of tendency to uh, to take alternative medicines, whether it's Chinese cures or other cures that may exist?
1: Yes. Well, regarding the alternative medicine, leave it to the doctor. There are certain, uh, the, some different schools in medicine. Don't take it on your own. That's that's what the point. Don't just go, someone sent me yesterday a recipe for, for the COVID-19. I... Some herbs i searched that uh, some herbs are not good for those who have kidney disease. If you want to take it, take it, but ask your doctor, which is fine. but to say that we don't need this the, the, the current medicine, you know this current medicine is not didn't come to existence easy, and you cannot disqualify the entire uh, discipline, yes, for sure there are. Pharmaceutical companies uh, monopol- monopolizing everything. There are insurance companies taking advantage of everything. There are problems in, 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 health, in some health systems in some areas. That's right, but it does not disqualify medicine. Medicine is needed.
2: Now, the situation we find ourselves in, uh, Robert Yard, is that uh, our uh, our countries, our communities are in lockdown, and uh, often uh, that leads to a series of psychological problems and. Uh, we feel somewhat disillusioned with the world around us. And uh, we know that the kitab came to, to deal with our human condition. So, what can we take from revelation to help us through this situation?
1: Well, again, Al Quran is described as a cure for us. How can the Quran be a cure? Allahu A'lam, if we accept Quran and we should that it is the book from God and God is talking to us by the remembrance of Allah by the appreciation of our relationship with Allah will our hearts will be settled how? because I truly believe that I am created by him, I am a true slave of him not to anyone else. And he is al-mudabber, he is the, the caretaker. So he will take care of us. But he will take care of us as a matter of belief. We don't count on this in a fatalistic way. So is, I shouldn't seek any medical treatment. No, because the Quran, which talks us to, to us as a cure, it's the very same Quran that orders us to follow Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he told us to Dawah seek medication, seek medical treatment, Allah. So there is no Islamic treatment versus uh, British treatment or or uh, Chinese treatment or, you know, the medicine medicine can differ. As an example, in Chinese medicine, they have certain own way, but it does not necessarily mean it works. There is, is- Muslim tradition way of medicine in the past which uh, focused on humorism. But now medic medicine developed and you need to catch up with the uh, development. So this, uh, this uh, endeavor through which we try to catch up with the medical development is we are inspired by this, uh, by Quran and Sunnah. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still That's another comfort you may dislike something while there is good in it we don't know what what will come uh, as an outcome of this you know Allah is telling us so that he created the death and the life so that he would uh, test you who makes the the good deed and this is the hadith of the Prophet it is rahmah to people in in the sense of that if we accept qada'ullah and we maintained the hukum shara'i in all of this and sought medical treatment without uh, revolting against inshallah it will be uh, a sign that we passed the test so we'll be inshallah rewarded for this so this will uh, give us a comfort versus if I started okay why did God create these bad things why did he do it you know why did he create the viruses? So what do you want? Do you want world without viruses, world without microbes? Then I'll give you another formula, a world without you. I mean, this is part of the setup of the world, of this life. It has good things, it has bad things. Some of things that have, you know, we understand, the, 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 like the bacteria. It has good bacteria and bad bacteria. And each has a certain role. People didn't understand the role of the viruses till now. What what role they play in the world, in the, in the, in the, in the animal kingdom, in the animal life, in the sea life, world. We don't know. But some of side, its side effects reaches us. The solution is to avoid it. It's not to revolt against God. Because we believed in God from looking to the world as is with all of its problems, with all of its good things, with all of its bad things, with all of its evils, we we understand that this world, the way it is, is created by God. It's not the good side of the world is created by God and the bad side of the world is created by evil. We don't believe in two gods. We believe in one God. God created this universe with its earthquakes, with its volcanoes, with its rain with its tornadoes with its uh, good weather with its severe weather with its uh, living beings that help us with some with its living beings that some of it can hurt us all of this together as a package is created by god so this will okay change change my views towards uh, towards the world and in this case if it is changed in the right way it will benefit us in overcoming this so we're not despair, uh, and if we see that there is a, a, a pandemic coming, uh, coming uh, in this life.
2: Now, finally, uh, Brother Yad, let me ask you about uh, Salatul Juma. Uh, there is a debate going on about uh, whether under the lockdown situation in the COVID-19 circumstances, we should continue to pray Salatul Juma in, in the mosque. Um, where do you stand on, on the issue?
1: Salatul Juma and all other forms of prayer are mandatory and we do it to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we cannot get close close and close, closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through anything other than what he prescribed for us and that's why we keep saying that if you want to satisfy this uh, this uh, aspect the religious aspect don't do it based on your emotion but rather based on the hukum shar'i Emotions can motivate us and they are needed to motivate us but they shouldn't define the course of action. I feel strong with Salat al let's pray it. No. The question here in this case are we ob- obligated to pray in this case? We have the hadith reported by Imam al-Bukhari uh, Ibn Abbas at one time and it's in, in Sahih al-Bukhari at one time it was raining so he asked the the Mu'addin to say that after saying Muhammad Rasulullah, pray in your homes. It was Juma'ah, it was Friday. And he said the Rubaya said, as if people disliked it. So Abdullah ibn Abbas said, I swear by God that the one who is much better than me did it. In reference to Rasulullah, he said, I know that Jumu'ah is Azima. Azma, it's mandatory, but I don't want to force you to get into the mud and to the slush. So here he postponed Salatul Jumu'ah for rain. And he told them, pray at your home. And in another hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said he who hears the Adhan and they didn't go to the to the Jumu'ah without execution, without uh, valid excuse, then he will... Uh, his salah at home will not be accepted. So they asked him, what is the excuse, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said, Al-Khawf wal marad the fear and the, and the disease. So now the fear is real, and the disease is there. So uh, I, I, I am of the opinion of postponing Salat al-Jumu'ah, but I wouldn't say that this is universal rule. If there is certain area in which everything is controlled, as an example, we know that there is no uh, no travel, and they put people let me say under uh, lock uh, for 13 days, and they tested, and they know that there is nothing uh, going on. They they should press a lot of juma, but if people are like in certain areas in Pakistan, in Egypt, in U.S., in U.K., in Jordan, where disease is not stopped, it's there, it's coming. So. Uh, I would say I am uh, with with the, the postponement of Salat al-Jumu'ah until the medical authorities, the health authorities tell you it's it's fine. Knowing now there are some people are trying to take advantage against Muslims because of of this Muslim gatherings. Uh, uh, you know in India what happened, Subhanallah. You know he said that we 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 dispersed the group. We immediately stopped the group, and we cooperated with the health authorities. But there were some people who were traveling from overseas. They remained in 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 Al-Azhar. No, you are spreading the disease. You know. Or yesterday there was a person asked uh, Trump, uh, "Do you think that they will go after against Muslims, uh, putting restrictions on Muslims?" He said, uh, "They are." Uh, answer his answer he adds, uh, what to call it, fuel to, 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 to the fire. He said, yeah, they are very going very strict against Christians, and I I don't want to see them lenient against Muslims. They are not lenient. And in some areas, at the very beginning, I know I contacted some brothers from New York. They told me that there is, there is a masjid refused to close, and the uh, pandemic spread among the people there, in a very rapid way. So, I mean, the danger is real, but they stopped after that, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So, why should we insist on this, knowing that it will hurt people, it will spread the disease, and now it will be used against Muslims at the same time. So, we should be more uh, responsible and more reasonable on how to address, how to approach uh, this uh, this problem the issue of Salatul Jum'a
2: Jazakallah khair I think that was a very fascinating discussion and uh, a lot of uh, really important issues discussed and uh, we hope to hear from you much more on on this podcast and on your Arkham Institute uh, website
1: Iyakum Barakallaha <laughs> feek Khanakallahum bahamdika la'ilaha and anta nasafruka allahumma natubu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh